I'm Peter. And I'm Felice. Welcome to our travel podcast. We're specialist travel writers and we've spent half a lifetime exploring every corner of the world. So we want to share with you some of our extraordinary experiences and the amazing people we've met along the way. This week we're taking an intimate look at one of Austria's largest, most diverse and exciting ski areas. No, it's not St Anton and the Arlberg, nor is it the 280 kilometres of Sol and the ski veldt. Its name, it must be said, is not exactly memorable. It doesn't trip easily off the English-speaking tongue. So here we go. Ski Circus Salbach Hinterglem Leogang Fieberbrunn. I'll say that again. Ski Circus Salbach Hinterglem Leogang Fieberbrunn. Actually, if you must, you can even add in, with a short ski bus link, an extra 77 kilometres of Zellamsee's Schmittenhoher Mountain, a total of 347 kilometres apiece. Not a bad ski area by anyone's standards. But here we're sticking with the four main resorts. They alone make this the country's third largest ski area behind the Alberg and Ski Welt. Salberg is known for its 2,000 metre peaks on both sides of the valley, and that includes Hinterglem, which is a family-friendly resort, and the whole thing can be skied in either direction. It's great intermediate terrain, and it's been popular with skiers for more than 50 years. In fact, I went there myself when I was a child, not that I remember a lot about it, but I know that my family was very keen on the area. Anyway, there are lots of blue and red piece, a bit steeper than average, and there's some proper black runs too, and of course some great off-piste as well. We based ourselves in Leogang for three days, and that's a long, rather straggly village in the heart of the ski area. It's not as well known as Salba, uh, and therefore you don't have any queues in the morning to get out of the village. But... As we discovered, it wasn't disappointing at all. A ski holiday isn't just about how far you can go each day, although the daily totals are really huge here. For me, where you eat on the mountain is just as much fun as the skiing, especially when the weather's good and you can sit outside. And it's very important to this region, which is well known for its food. I've an interest to declare here. I'm half Austrian. My grandparents came from Vienna and I've never lived here, but we had lots of family holidays. And every time I come back, I feel like I belong. I absolutely love the food. Kaiserschmarrn is one of my favourite dishes. It's meant to be a pudding, but actually I sometimes eat that as my whole meal. It's a pancake, a sweet pancake, very fluffy, with some icing sugar sprinkled on it and stewed plums. And then the restaurant will chop it up for you. And it's absolutely a sort of omelette. It's delicious. Then there's Wiener schnitzel, which I love. I don't think that needs any explanation. And then in the Salzburger land area, where we are now, there's Salzburger knuckle, which is a delicious delicious souffle meringue with cream. It's a bit like baked Alaska. It's the Austrian version. It's delicious. Yes, well, I could give you a 10-minute lecture on the cultural significance of Salzburger Nockel, which was invented by the mistress of an obscure prince archbishop in the 17th century, but I'll spare you that one. Yeah, I entirely agree with your menu so far. However, as a non-Austrian, I can remember long ago as a child when the mountain villages of Austria vied with the pubs of rural England for some of the most unappetizing, not to say inedible, food in Europe. During Summer family holidays when I was a small child in Salzburgerland, pig's liver in a blood sauce, onions and sauerkraut was a lunchtime staple, all served up in a canteen-style compartmentalised steel dog bowl. The fact that I'd heard the pig being slaughtered that very morning in the barn opposite my Gustav bedroom window added a certain frisson to the meal. But hey, what a difference half a dozen decades make. You can now eat better here in Austria at a far, far more sensible price than anywhere in the French Alps. Switzerland has priced itself onto another planet, leaving only Italy in the same gastro-ski league for non-millionaire ski gourmets. But 
Before we went skiing, first we took a sleigh ride to a nearby organic farm to, well, check out the raw materials. Neargang has no less than 65 of these, and we met up with Bernhard Pervine, who owns My Milk, a 50-hectare dairy farm that his family's been running since 1995. Bernhardt, you've got quite a spread here. You don't just have cows, do you? You have some pigs as well? Yes, we also have pigs, cows, uh, cats, a dog, <laughs> <laughs> everything. So have some cereal crops as well? Yes, cereals, we have ray. But I was amazed to see the cows were milking themselves. Yes, they yes. They to go in. The the, the, the cows uh, choose by themselves how often they can go milking and when they want to milk they can milk the whole day and it's also good for us yeah. so when we don't have this system we have to milk the cows every day on, on 5 o'clock in the morning at, at 5 o'clock in the evening and now we can go in the barn when we have time and, and the cows can go milking the whole day. Are there some cows who go in much more often than others? Yes, yes. The cows can go inside uh, every time but the system don't milk this uh, every five minutes so we have put uh, time between milking so it's also different how how much milk uh, how much uh, milk the cow gives. Certainly times have changed. My grandmother had a, a farm in, in the north of England and I can remember uh, milking or trying to milk cows by hand many, many years ago. It's a bit changed now, isn't it then? Yes, <laughs> I I see on our farm, I think it's the fourth system I know. So I know when we milk the cows by hand yeah. and then their uh, milking system, you take the bottle and you put it in the tank and then there was a new system. In the newest system now is the automatic system yeah. for well, cows. It changes the life of a dairy farmer. You, you're no longer tied to your cows. Yes. <laughs> And you also make yogurt? Yes, we, we make yogurt and also cheese and... And all of it is organic? Yes, all of this. No herbicides on the farm? No, no herbicides. Bernhard and his family also grow organic potatoes as well as maize for cattle feed. Then there's the bread. They get up at 4am to make this. And also there's delicious honey from the bees. And inevitably, perhaps, in this part of the world, Bernhard's father makes his own fruit snaps. Talking of alcohol, please. I think it's time to get back to our hotel and check out the wine cellar before dinner. Well, we're staying at the family-run Hotel Riederam in Leogang, and it's very convenient. It's right at the edge of the piste and close to the main gondola. It's a modern hotel with great indoor-outdoor thermal pool and, of course, a gourmet restaurant where we've got a multi-course banquet waiting for us this evening. The bedrooms are light and airy, wood and glass and there's a sort of carved wood mountain range on one wall in a pale colour wood which is quite interesting. In the reception there's something quite unusual. There's a glasses cleaning station. I've never seen that before. So you can put your goggles and sunglasses or ordinary glasses into this container of water and it washes them for you so you can see everything very clearly. But first, we're going to the extensive wine cellar. Now, if you don't know much about Austrian wines, they're some of the best in Europe. They're full-bodied reds and delicate whites, but you need to go there to drink them. As in Switzerland, a low percentage of the top vintages are exported each year, and the best are kept for home consumption. It's another good reason for coming skiing here. Sommelier Fernando Fanaro ran us through what we'd be drinking tonight and we looked at other rare bottles that we can only dream about. Fernando has some pretty unusual views on maturing wine, ones that I think King Charles might well approve of.
I was very interested to hear that you play Mozart to the wine. Yes, I try, yes, yes. <laughs> and why do you do that? Uh, I was born in the winery. You think that the wine enjoys music? Yes, of course. It's very important for the wine to, to get a better maturity. And so sitting in this wonderful wine cellar here, you also are very worried about the light. You like to get the light correct. Yes, you uh, you can have some chemical reaction in the wine and the wine will lose the clarity. And it's not good for the wine. The sunlight or also the, the normal light. Almost inevitably in Austria, wine goes arm in arm with schnapps, wickedly strong liqueurs made from a seemingly endless range of fruit and nuts. And so for a digestive or two, we met up with master distiller Siegfried Herzog in the nearby village of Saalfelden. Siegfried, it's quite difficult to interview to do this because we've just tasted 10 different glasses of your schnapps. Uh, how did you come to do this? Your family are years old. I have uh, had no money and I must do something. And, and so I said I make schnapps. And this was in 1998. And now there are how many thousand distilleries in Austria? In Austria there are 94,000 distilleries. And those are just the legal ones, uh, illegal ones as well. <laughs> <laughs> illegal one, I don't know, but uh, 94,000 are, are the legal one. And you have won a lot of prizes. We won a lot of prizes from 2003 to 2008. Your distillery is one of the most important in Austria. How many flavors do you have? We made 70 kind of schnapps. That's a lot of schnapps. <laughs> and the obvious question, how much schnapps do you have to drink yourself to do this? Uh, I drink every second day one glass. But you have to taste the schnapps when you're making it. I have to taste it, but I don't drink it. Yeah, sure. yeah. My favorite tonight was the hazelnut. Ah, okay. Hazelnut is made with nuts and uh, roasted nuts. And when you make the schnapps, what goes into it? There are no other ingredients but just the fruit? No, it's only the fruit. Yeah. It's very poor, yeah. And how did you learn to do that? Oh, I learned it by myself. <laughs> but you went to other distilleries and you... you uh, I go to other distilleries. I have many important persons, many friends. And now you have here the most amazing little distillery. It's all stainless steel and it's all uh, in your farmhouse. Yeah. <laughs> It's my distillery, it's my living room, and I'm here from 4 a.m. to 10 p.m. And people coming on holiday to the area, they can visit and yeah. come to your shop? Yeah, we have open every day, of, uh, not on Sunday, but open every day from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. But in, in all seriousness, skiing is what we've come here to do. And um, believe you me, that's what we did today. We were in a, a group of semi-professionals, two younger Swedes who seem to have been born on skis, and a couple of much older but vastly more experienced American ski instructors. I, I'm not quite sure where Fleece and I fitted into this, but there was a bit of tortoise and hare here. But, but hey, the tortoises, they really held their own through some 30 kilometers of really quite extraordinary difficult at times skiing that both demanded and relinquished pleasure in favor of survival technique. You really had to keep your wits around you. One minute you're trying to control momentum on a really steep pitch. Seconds later, the terrain opens up into a glorious wide bowl where you can truly go for it. I think at Secret Salbach and its adjoining resorts lies in its variety. This is not the kind of bland, burn-it-up terrain that you find in, say, the ski veld, nor the 
ever-demanding steeps of St Anton, which can be really tough. It's a, a cocktail mix that never ceases to both ask and delight. Frankly, you never know what the second course is that's about to be served up. Best bit, no doubt about it, is around Fieberbrunn. Not for nothing is that considered one of the prime freeride areas of Europe, and for the past couple of decades it's been an iconic venue on the freeride world tour. But even on peace, it's a world-class challenge for everybody. A few years ago, while we were staying in Salbach, we came across the Wiehofen link which is an amazing addition to the area. Basically, it links Zellamsee with the Salbach whole ski area, making it absolutely enormous. I think one of the biggest in the world, isn't it, Peter? It's certainly one of the biggest in Austria. And it's an easy link. You go via a small village in the valley. And yeah, it makes a huge difference. And intermediates can do it too, not just expert skiers. Anyway, I think that the Salbach, Leogang, Hinterglem, Fieberbrunn area is definitely one of Austria's best ski areas. Obviously, the Alberg and St. Anton gets most of the praise. But this area, despite its difficult name, is definitely a contender as well for the best ski resort. Anyway, the proof is in the pudding, as they say. In this case, the first course and the main course. We stopped at Visaralm Mountain Restaurant for the most amazing lunch. I mean, you wouldn't expect a lunch like this up the mountain. Yeah, it was really special, I have to say. I'm just looking back on my pictures now, and they're dishes of caviar surrounded by ice, oysters, sort of things you don't expect to get up the mountain. Obviously, there's the usual dried meats and cheeses and pickles and, and Wiener schnitzel never forget Wiener schnitzel Wiener schnitzel with all the bits that go with it that we think is so important like the red currant compote type of thing and the potatoes with herbs and really really delicious but this was an amazing lunch very memorable lunch it's worth going to the area almost for this restaurant alone. And I'd say the prices were high, but nowhere near as high as you would pay in a, a mainstream resort in France or obviously in Switzerland. Yeah, and for what you're getting, it's incredible. One great tip here is that seafood in a mountain restaurant in, in the Alps is really one of the safest things you can eat because they have to be so careful to make sure it's fresh and it's usually flown in daily from the nearest airport. And in this case, it was absolutely superb. I mean, I suppose that's not very good for environmental things to fly in seafood every day but you can have a treat once in a while i think that's fair then of course we had to ski home afterwards so it's a good idea not to eat and drink too much because the journey back to wherever you're staying will be quite long lots of runs and lots of lifts it's uh, certainly a trek around the ski area because it's so huge yeah in our case it was a bit of a long journey home but hey we got there that's all for now if you've enjoyed the show, please visit our website, actionpacktravel.com, or you can subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or any of the many podcast platforms. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love you to sign up for our regular emails too at peter at actionpacktravel.com. Until next week, stay safe. And I am you. Just a crazy storm